This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 928, spotlight on Hawkeye, episodes 1 and 2. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 928. It's a spotlight episode. This time it's a spotlight on the first two episodes of the Hawkeye Disney Plus uh, television series, or TV series, or just series. I guess we can't really call it television, because it's not really television. I don't know. I guess it is. It is television. It's one of those... I'm having an existential crisis. I'm literally in the first minute of the show, and I'm having, like, a crisis on, what is TV? I guess it is TV. Um, I guess I just think of TV as being... Uh, I have a very narrow view of TV, apparently. Apparently. I have a bias. Oh, my God. Um, you are... <laughs> it's like you're you're discovering, as I am, that apparently I have a bias that maybe television, to me, has to be a network to terrestrial, or not network, but your traditional kind of network television, which is horribly, uh, horribly outdated. Wow. Apparently I, uh, was more limited in my views. Um, but no, this is, you know, this is a new Disney plus television series. Let's call it that, uh, on Hawkeye, who has long been my favorite Avenger. Um, I, the whole last episode, episode 926 was, well, not the whole last episode. It became a, a, a travelogue <laughs> talking about a recent road trip I'd been on. But in theory, part of what that episode was about was, um, how I first came to love and, uh, know Hawkeye as a character and why he became my favorite Avenger my, and, you know, the character I really love. Like, I have two statues uh, in my house. I don't, I'm not really a... It's really weird. I'm a huge comic book fan, but I don't really I really display it generally. And for, like, a long time, I didn't wear T-shirts that had comic book characters. I don't know why. I don't know. I just didn't really maybe have access to many or didn't like the ones I saw. Who knows? But I never really wore those T-shirts. Now I wear them all the time. Um, but there was a time when I didn't really wear them, and uh, I never really had a lot of paraphernalia out. I kind of had my comic books where the comic books go, and that was kind of it. And so I have two statues uh, of characters. Uh, one I got uh, as, a, as a present. Actually, both I got as presents. So I guess that says something. I've never bought one on my own. Uh, one was a present uh, just before I got married. Uh, um, my groomsman uh, got me a beautiful statue of Daredevil, but not not your not your standard Daredevil. Uh, this was a very beautiful statue of Daredevil, but in his armored '90s costume, which is something I've always really loved. So I have that. And the other co- other uh, statue I have is actually of Hawkeye. So that should tell you something about where I place the character. Uh, it's funny, I don't have a Spider-Man statue, I don't have a Scarlet Spider statue, I don't have a, a Ben Riley as Spider-Man statue. I definitely am a huge fan of Spider-Man and Scarlet Spider and, you know, Ben Riley as Spider-Man, but... Um, you know, I guess they, they're just not up there enough. It's interesting when I kind of retrace uh, my my history as a as a comic fan. Uh, I was a huge Iron Man fan for a long time. Um, although, really, when I think about it, maybe not that long. Um, I became a fan during Heroes Reborn, which is a weird time to become a fan of any character. Uh, and then I continued with Heroes Return, and I think it was on it for about fifty so or fifty issues or so. And then you had the Mike Grell period, and I was kind of like, I'm good. I don't. This isn't really what I like. Um, how discerning we are when we're, you know, I, I was not that old. I was maybe 20 years old when I made that decision that, oh, this Iron Man isn't for me. Uh, so I kind of backed away from the character. And then, uh, I, as I've said previously, like, I love the Matt Fraction run. I think that was the last 
version of Iron Man that we got before he became completely um, trans, you know, transformed by uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s performance and then people trying to write that performance in comics. Um, I think that was the last gasp. Uh, he was coming out like the same time as the movie and maybe it started to change in the middle, but I don't think it did. I think he still kind of retained a certain voice over Iron Man. And that was maybe the last time we got that version of Iron Man. Uh, I went on long lines in the last episode talking about Hawkeye and how you know the last time we got a true Hawkeye being the Hawkeye I remember, uh, well, in some ways, I argued that uh, that version died when uh, Jeff Johns brought him back in Avengers, which was not long after we'd kind of last seen him uh, in, in the Thunderbolts books, um, because it just felt like a very different version of, of, of Hawkeye as a character. Uh, it was maybe the Hawkeye I wanted to see. I loved the Hawkeye in Thunderbolts that Fabian Nicieza had written in, and he had taken he had picked up the baton from Kurt Busiek, who had written him beautifully both in Avengers and in Thunderbolts. And so, I, I to me, he just never went back to that version of Hawkeye that I loved. That felt so competent, uh, and so good. And uh, although we would see you know flashes of it here and there, uh, but I think you know in the in the once you had. You know, the movie come out and they kind of took away his traditional Hawkeye costume when he had the more modern costume, um, you know, because very much more inspired with kind of more of a movie aesthetic. And we had him in the movies and then you had Matt Fraction's run. I'd say that the, the Hawkeye I fell in love with doesn't really exist as a character per se anymore. He's not written that way anyway. Uh, I still like Hawkeye and I definitely love that Matt Fraction run, which, I mean, coincidentally, we're talking about the first two episodes of the Hawkeye TV series, and you really, if you don't like Matt Fraction's take, I don't know if you're going to like this as much or get as much mileage. Now, it's interesting, you know, this this series, in a lot of ways, has is... I don't want to say more baggage, because, I mean, if you think about all the, the Disney Plus shows, they really, the ones that carry on characters, which I guess they all do, except for What If, and even then, they kind of are able to cherry-pick which baggage they want to use. But if you go back to, like, WandaVision, you're dealing with her grief at the Vision's death, and not really being able to process that, because she, like, you know, watched him die, or, d- d- you know, killed him herself, like, destroy the stone, uh, saw that get reversed, then saw the stone get ripped out of his body, him thrown, uh, you know, lifeless, then she dusts into nothing, and shows up five years later, is told that he got a fight, she fights Thanos, almost destroys him, uh, until he's, you know, able to have the ships uh, start blasting down on everyone, and then the ship gets taken down by Captain Marvel, blah, 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 blah. So she really does no time to process, and so she's obviously got immense grief, and the character has only endured grief in her portrayals on the, uh, you know, Age of Ultron, she loses her brother, uh, Civil War is, a lot of it's about, you know, traumatic event happens, and she accidentally is, you know, the cause of some bad things, and she really takes it seriously, and, and it's, you know, very upset about it, and is one of the main reasons why the Accords even start to happen. Um, so it's, it's pretty interesting there. She's a character just completely mired in grief. Uh, then you have uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier, which is, again, all about picking up the, the baton of, of Steve Rogers and what his absence means for the world and for these two titular characters, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, and then, you know, we had Loki, which, again, was, you know, picking up the baggage, I would say, in some ways less, in some ways more, um, from what had happened in Avengers Endgame. And now we have Hawkeye. And Hawkeye, you know, it's interesting because it, it feels like it wants to be light, but it also is dealing with really dark themes. Um, you know, you have Clint obviously having spent five years kind of you know being very merciless and just killing criminals and being you know if you why if half the population disappeared and that meant that his entire family was gone he had nothing in his eyes i guess had nothing to live for that he was like why let all these criminal scumbags live uh why did they get to live why do they you know why did they get to live when my family didn't so he just you know takes a rare uh, reign of terror on these people until finally natasha brings him hope uh in a way to reverse it so well, not reverse it, bring everyone back, I should say. 
Uh, that's one thing that always kind of bugged me about Endgame is that I just felt like it felt so much messier because they just brought people back as opposed to reversing. Uh, I think there could have been a way of maybe like building into the story. I guess they wanted it to be. Uh, it does push the universe in a in a new direction. I'd say a kind of a crazy direction, but uh, in terms of uh, all the grief everyone on the planet would have had to, uh, across the universe would have to deal with, just so that one guy could not. Well, I mean, not just him, but I mean specifically Tony could you know doesn't have to give up his daughter, uh, which is the light of his life. Um, anyway, I don't know why I'm getting sidetracked on Endgame, but uh, talking about Hawkeye here, uh, the Hawkeye series. So the first issue, the first episode. Is uh, first episode is so interesting because, you know, and I actually watched it in two separate chunks. I didn't watch them both at the same time. I actually did kind of let the first episode sink in and then watch the second uh, with my wife. And I found that the first one was so interesting to me. And again, it was very similar to Falcon and the Winter Soldier in this respect in that you have a whole episode uh, where you're waiting for the two main characters, the two Hawkeyes to kind of meet each other. But they never do until the very end. The, 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 and I think in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I don't think they even saw each other until the second episode. Um, so it's just interesting to kind of play with expectations that because obviously you know, you're waiting to see these characters uh, link up and it doesn't happen. Um, right from the get-go, I was really intrigued. Um, I, th- I don't think my wife kind of noticed it. When the first episode started, it was like 2012, and you can, you can tell they're in the New York, New York, or at least, I mean, I guess I, I, I knew that where it was going here. You don't mention 2012 when you're looking at an MCU film uh, and not know where it's going, but my wife didn't immediately go to get it, and I was like, I'm just waiting to see what's going to happen. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, the battle in New York is like, happening now. And she's like, oh, oh. <laughs> Like so, it's interesting how again they've really planted this flag in 2012, and they did it in Endgame, obviously because they were doing a time heist. So you had very specific years spelled out uh, for when certain things happen. So it was interesting to kind of see uh, Kate Bishop see you know a, you know a, a memorable moment of the uh, of the Avengers movie play out in her perspective that saves her life, and is reason why she's like I need a bow and arrow. And then we have this kind of opening sequence where you kind of get the sense that you know as she grows up, she does become this proficient person and you know, in, in, in martial arts and in uh, archery, etc. Um, it's interesting how they kind of portray her again being very kind of aloof. Not, not, not aloof, that's the wrong word, but, uh, you know, just kind of well, not floating through life, but even if, like, when she kind of results in the destruction of a clock tower, though, my wife rolled her eyes so hard when that happened. She's like, come on, this, this tennis ball is going to make this whole thing fall. Like, she was very skeptical about that. that she thought that was kind of stupid. But, I mean, you need that uh, to kind of further the motivation that of why she kind of gets cut off from her mom, uh, creates some uh, friction with her mom. I read from the get-go, I did not re- know that we were ever going to get a version of the Swordsman. So the minute they said Jack, and you see some swords, I'm like, no fucking way, is this shock? Are they doing this? Like, you know, I was excited just by the... Um, uh, just the the promise of that, and then you see him, and they they use the name, and I'm like, oh my god, we're getting this! Like, I can't believe we're getting Swordsman in some way. Uh, so that was really exciting to me um, because you know, I just I didn't expect that. I didn't know what we were going to get from this. Uh, even in the second episode, when you have uh, one of the Larpers and he introduced himself as Grills, I was like, holy shit, it's Grills! And uh, my wife's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, who who's Grills? And I'm like, oh, it's from this comic. Like, you know, it was a character that actually mattered. Um, so it was interesting to to see things like that come out um there's a great sequence and this is on all the trailers about you have rogers the musical which obviously the uh, the iconography of it is meant to evoke hamilton uh which i thought was a you know a very sly dig uh not even dig a, a nice kind of call, uh, reference um or easter egg i guess and then i also liked uh, the the opening not even the opening number the number we get to see the musical number from rogers the musical i really enjoyed it i thought it was awesome i loved that they incorporated uh, Cap's phrase of I could do this all day. It does make me wonder about how much, you know, the MCU kind of 
of populist knows about Captain America and things he would say. Uh, but obviously, like, he's done PSAs. He's done things. Like, obviously, he's more in the, you know, um, public sphere than maybe even we realize as a hero because, you know, we've seen in Homecoming... It was homecoming, right? Yeah, uh, where he did the, the PSAs in schools and stuff in his original Avengers outfit, so it gives you an idea of maybe the time frame it took place in. Um, so I, it's not surprising that you know that you, people would revere this. Uh, it's interesting too, obviously, that you know this musical, uh, from what we see, is more about the attack on New York in 2012, and we're assuming this is what 2023, 2024 now, because uh, I think uh, what is it 2018 when we were supposed to get. Uh, Infinity War, so it was five years later, would have been Endgame, uh, most of the events of Endgame, which would have been 2023. So maybe it's 2023, maybe it's 2024. I don't know exactly the timeline. I'm sure other sleuths are really good at figuring all that out. I mean, especially when you have all these Disney Plus shows, like which ones chronologically take place first? Because I would imagine, like, Far From Home feels like it takes place kind of after when we already would have had WandaVision, because that seems very close after uh, the, the events of Endgame. And then Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it's, I can't remember exactly when that's supposed to take place, too. So it's very intriguing, uh, to say the least, uh, about how all that works. I would say that, in a lot of ways, uh, Hawkeye is not as worried about its place, and it's just kind of having a, a fun time. Again, it has a bit of a lighter tone, but it also has some seriousness in it, too, because, again, you're confronting all this grief that you know Hawkeye is dealing with, with the loss of Natasha, what that means for him, like even watching a musical about the Avengers and seeing the Natasha character and obviously what that means to him i do like the inclusion of a, an element from the comics which is obviously clint's hearing loss and i like that you know when they there's like well you know when did that happen and we have all these <laughs> flashbacks of explosions happening near his head and all this crazy stuff and it kind of makes sense and uh, if that's how they want to you know incorporate uh, how he um has started to you know have be hard of hearing which is an interesting i and i didn't really think of it before they kind of mention his hearing here. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Echo's deaf, too. Like, there's more of a connection there between the two characters. Uh, which is interesting, because, again, they're both Ronan in the comics. Uh, there's, there's, there's just a lot of interesting overlap here. Uh, I haven't seen episode three yet. I'm recording this on the day that episode three came out. And obviously there's a lot of conjecture out there about, about Echo and if, the, if they're going to be using Echo as a reason to, as a way to bring in Kingpin, what this means to maybe see Daredevil at some point. Like if we see Kingpin, eventually it feels like seeing Charlie Cox as Daredevil feels more assured if we do see Vincent D'Onofrio. Um, and there's a lot of people online being like, well, D'Onofrio's kind of been like maybe subtly hitting that maybe hinting that maybe episode four or five is where we'd see Wilson Fisk if he's actually going to be in here. And part of me is like, I kind of, I, part of me really wants to see that, and part of me doesn't. Only not not because I don't want to see Vincent D'Onofrio being kingpin, because I think that's awesome. Um, I think it does obviously bring up questions about, you know, how canon are the Netflix shows? That's already a problem. We already have a problem with Agents of Shield, um, you know, because at some point they were very canon, and then they kind of veered off and did their own thing because there wasn't cooperation and connection between Marvel TV and Marvel films. Uh, and then obviously with the Netflix stuff, like. You know they're going to go in different directions with certain characters and not maybe honor all the same things. But if we see characters like Kingpin or Kingpin, sorry, Kingpin or Daredevil, is there? Yeah, I feel like people would want to you know understand like, well, how much of that history is what we've already seen it, or maybe it's completely new and we're just using the new characters. Like, what does this mean? People just want to know what it means. Uh, it'd be really exciting. Um, I was very happy to see the tracksuit mafia here. I'm glad that they're going to be playing a big role. Um, I did not expect the Ronin caution to come and play the way it is, but I'm excited to kind of see 
how they were playing with that. I did think the idea that this suit that he wore that was like, you know, pretty looked pretty pretty well fit to him. Uh, apparently, it's like the sisterhood of the traveling pants because it just it fits Haley Steinfeld without any particular issue or looking too big. And it also fits grills. And so that's two people besides Clint and everyone seems to be able to wear this. And so unless it's got some of that cool Stark technology inside, which... I mean, in theory, I guess it could. Well, no, I mean, Clint just kind of took off on his own, so I don't know if he was, you know, being able to uh, take Stark Tech uh, into his suit. But, I mean, we've seen Spider-Man's suit just kind of suction cup to his body and, like, be baggy, and then suddenly it's form-fitting. So I guess it's not outside the realm of possibility. But uh, we, because we didn't see it do that, it feels very much like Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Uh, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, um, which I found weird. But um, I did like the interactions in the second episode between Steinfeld and Renner. I did feel like... You know, he feels very grumpy and old, and my wife was even saying, like, are they trying to make him feel as old as possible? Because he does feel really old, and he's not that old, um, and I feel like the character never felt that old before, but now he feels like a very grizzled veteran, um, and kind of too old for this shit type of thing. Um, But again, very excited to see where we go from this. Uh, I thought the LARPing in the episode two was maybe a little little long. It didn't need to quite be as long, but again... A big part of what the series seems to be is less about plot and more about character. Because um, if you ask me about the plot of the of the series, like it's not that complicated so far. Like, you know, there's an underground uh, auction house that gets you know burgled by this Traxxu mafia that's looking for this watch. You have the Ronin costume and the Ronin sword go. Uh, well, I guess the sword's not technically missing; it was purchased, but you have the Ronin costume go missing. So there's a fair bit going on, and then you know it feels like a bit of a stretch to, I guess, find a way for the you know the two titular or main characters to get together. You have Kate putting on the costume so she can escape from the auction house, and then you have a TV you know camera being able to capture. My wife took notice of this too because they said like it had been years since there'd been a sighting, and I'm like, yeah, that's perfectly valid. We don't know the last time he was actually on camera or seen, and she's like, oh, I don't know if I read it that way. I'm like, I did because uh, you know maybe he was last seen in New York years ago. Uh, it doesn't it was last time we saw him. Like, I can't remember which country he was necessarily in when uh, Black Widow found him uh, back in Endgame, but it, it, I believe he wasn't in North America anyway. So uh, I. I enjoyed this uh Haley Steinfeld I go back and forth on her but generally speaking I thought she did a very good job I think she was pretty enjoyable uh Kelly did my wife they did think she was a little maybe too goofy at times and felt that she'd be a little bit more put together I think she was expecting her to be more a bit more of a badass and I think she is a badass but she's also a bit silly and goofy and I don't think I think that took her by surprise because that's not quite what she was expecting um but I thought this was again a great start I like the you know camaraderie between the two main characters uh, we got four episodes to go a lot of a lot of stuff to happen if you think about it because we have Blackwood uh, sorry uh well Blackwood's sister uh played with Florence Pugh is coming uh we don't know when exactly she's coming we have Echo who's getting going to get her own show. We may or may not have Kingpin coming up. There's, you know, I haven't watched episode three, but technically as of, you know, December 1st, there are only three more episodes to go. Um, So it's very exciting. Uh, Hawkeye has a TV show and it's good and enjoyable and it's a Christmas, you know, it's Christmas themed uh, series and that definitely, you know, sets it apart. It's interesting because I guess that makes two Christmas-themed um, MCU projects. We have uh, Iron Man 3, and then we have this one. So far, I'm enjoying this one more. I'm not a huge fan of Iron Man 3. Uh, it's okay, um, but it's definitely not my favorite of the Iron Man movies. Not my favorite. I, it probably would be in the bottom three of my... Bottom... Sorry, bottom third of my kind of MCU projects. It's it's going to get it's going to get hard soon to even talk about... You know, you got MCU movies, and then you got MCU, uh, you know, uh, Marvel... TV shows, sorry, not TV shows, well, yes, TV shows, but I don't want to lump it together. MCU Disney Plus shows. Whew. Ah, there's a lot going on. Anyways, I'm uh, I'm really excited about 
you know what we're going to get from this. I'm excited to see it go on. Uh, I hope it really sticks the landing. It ends what I think. Uh, does it end right when uh, no, no Way Home was about to start? So like everyone will stop caring about Hawkeye. So harsh for Hawkeye. Uh, we got what, episode three was today. So four or five. The sixth episode will be December twenty second. So literally just before Christmas, uh, five days after Spider Man, or I guess technically six days after Spider Man launches. Um, I will speak actually briefly to that. I am very excited. I do have tickets to see Spider Man No Way Home on December the sixteenth, which is the Thursday evening uh, seven thirty show. Uh, I'll be seeing that uh, in the VIP here in Canada. Uh, at our Cineplex cinemas, uh, so it's very. It's not nearly as many people are in the cinemas, and you're a little bit more spread out uh, in kind of your own little pods as, you, as opposed to your standard Cineplex uh, seating arrangement. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, it's only two weeks away. Like I cannot wait to see this movie. Uh, it's 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 such a fascinating movie because uh, I feel like no matter what, people are going to be disappointed because you know maybe the Spider Men aren't in there, but maybe they are. And then you know people have obviously been looking at trailers and seeing where you know oh look it looks like Lizard's jumping at someone, but there's no one there. And oh this one looks like he's getting punched in the face, but there's no one there. There's got to be someone there. It, it it could just as well not be what we're expecting. It could be other versions of Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Like, it doesn't need to be... I mean, everyone wants it to be Toby. They want it to be Toby, and they want it to be Andrew Garfield. And obviously the prevailing theory is that they want Andrew Garfield to be the one who saves Mary Jane because he couldn't save Gwen. And obviously, cinematically, that sounds perfect. That sounds like we never really got to see him put it behind him because it just happened. Like, he was just finally putting the costume on for the first time when you, when Amazing Spider-Man 2 ended, and to see Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man again, and again, to see his Spider-Man get more respect, and from maybe being able to save MJ when, when Tom Holland's Spider-Man can't, would be amazing. Uh, but maybe we're not going to get that. Maybe we're going to get Tom Holland as the, as the variant Spider-Man. How many variant Spider-Man could Tom Holland end up being? Like, obviously, a lot of people said that the, the hand uh, reaching down for uh, from MJ doesn't quite look like the armor, the mystical armor he see, looks like he's wearing earlier in in those sequences. But who knows? Who knows what's going on? How many Spider Men are we going to get? Is it just going to be Toby and Andrew? Is it even going to be them at all? I mean, obviously, a lot of people want it to be you know Emma Stone too, and uh, we want to see you know uh, a Ghost Spider. But I think that that's not going to happen. But who knows? Um, you know, there was a time when the idea that we were going to get Willem Dafoe and and. Uh, uh, Alfred Molina and like all the all the, the fact that we're going to get Electro back and a lot of people are curious obviously because Electro's lightning is not blue and he looks very visibly different so how did that happen um, exactly what point in the timelines do these characters suddenly appear um, anyways it's, I'm very excited for that movie uh, cannot wait to see it I'm very excited I, again I think that no matter what people are going to be disappointed just because the hype has been so insane for this movie. Like, I feel like if they had shown you in that tra- in the most recent trailer, if you had seen the three Spider-Men, first of all, everyone would have lost their shit. But also, then they'd be like, ah, all right, they're going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> people would go to that movie and be really excited about it. And now they're going to be like, where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Like, why aren't they here yet? Why, <laughs> why, why isn't Toby here yet? And that movie ends and Toby's not there and Andrew Garfield isn't there. Everyone's going to be like, no, how could they not do this? And they're going to be disappointed. And it's like the hype machine's been so strong. And obviously, like, people are like, the tickets are flying. Like, you know, people are... You know, buying tickets has been a huge thing, and you know, tickets are selling out, and people are like picking thousands of dollars for tickets and hitting each other, like having fights over getting tickets for this movie, which is absolutely bananas uh, that that is happening. But it's because people are so excited, and so if 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 their excitement ends up not. If, if, if their expectations, it's kind of like with WandaVision, people got so excited about it because they thought it was going to be this big, some people thought it was going to be this much bigger 
broader thing than it ended up being, and then those people were inevitably were disappointed. But I would say that's not the that wasn't the, the bulk of people. That wasn't probably the majority. But then this movie, it's like feels like the majority of people are like bring back the old Spider-Man. And if you don't do it, I feel like now it's a lot of people that are disappointed, not just, you know, the hardcore people who were reading everything into everything that was ha- coming out about the, about the show. So I'm very curious to see how this ends up playing out. I, I hope, I hope they're there. I think that'd be awesome. Um, you know, it, it looks like a tremendous movie being able to see Alfred Molina be Doc Ock again, even the little snippets you get in trailers. It just feels awesome to see him again. We haven't seen Willem Dafoe's face, but obviously we've seen, you know, the goblin. He's, he's fully there. Like it's exciting. You know, and I'm just very excited to see what what this movie has in, has in store for us. And uh, it's going to be what two and a half hours, so it's going to be a very long movie, um, but uh, a packed one. And they've talked about how you know trying to have a approaching it like Endgame. And I'm like, well, how many Endgame level surprises are going to be there? Because like when you saw Endgame, you had Cat picking up the, the the hammer was a huge you know crowd roaring moment. Uh, you had the portals, obviously, which was the big moment that you know obviously we all knew that people were going to come back. But I don't think we ever realized they're all going to fucking be there. And they're all going to fight in this massive sequence. Like, when that happened, I was kind of like, no. Really? Like, they're going to do this? Like, I just, you know, the fact that that, that movie even, that, that sequence, that the last half an hour is kind of crazy. That, that it even exists. And anyway, so hopefully we're going to get that on a spider level. But, you know, how crazy is it going to get? Or is it going to be more intimate? Who knows? So, anyways, thank you for uh, joining me for this episode. This has been episode 928 of the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. Next episode, uh, well, it's going to be a reviews episode of releases from the week of November the, I can't remember my dates. I think it's November the 24th. But the thing I'm really excited about, episode 930, which I'm, uh, at the moment, as the moment we speak i'm recording it tonight so on the first of december hopefully going up in a couple of days uh, i'm going to be sitting down with a uh, legendary cartoonist lynn johnston who created the for better or for worse uh comic strip and i'm really excited to talk with her i've talked with uh curtis finley in the past who i've also do, i also guest on his podcast the Evan marvel podcast but he's also the editor of the current um collection collected series the hardcover collection series of for better or for worse so he's the editor on the project and so thankfully and gracefully he was able to help me get in touch with Lynn, so I'm really excited to talk with her about For Better or For Worse and what it's like to see it coming back in these beautiful hardcovers, and people get to experience, people are getting to experience it who never got to experience it originally, um, who, you know, may have never seen it before, families are getting to experience it, and they're getting to read it in a method that no one had really been able to appreciate before. Like, there have been collections in the past, but the fact that you could have the entire run and really go through everything is kind of insane, because you know, they charted it over 30 years of these people's, these characters' lives, so I'm really excited to talk with her about it. So that'll be our next non-reviews episode, episode 930. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com if you'd like to get in touch with me directly. Actually, I will. Uh, I should uh, filibuster for a second because I just remembered I'm in front of my computer and I can actually say that uh, someone did, uh, not that long ago, well, earlier in 2021, uh, someone did um, leave me a review on Apple or iTunes uh, in the States, so it doesn't always show up for me because I'm in Canada, so I did want to uh, and forgive my clicking, but I did want to uh, just kind of mention what that comment was because I really appreciated it, and it's always nice to get reviews uh, of the show, uh, not just ratings, but also reviews. So let me just pull that up as we speak. As I said, I'm going to filibuster for a moment as I'm trying to do so, and hopefully the click-click clicking isn't too loud, but if it is, I'm really sorry. Uh, here we go. So we got... Uh, 
This is from February 20th, 2021 by Doug Rewald. It said, uh, wonderful collection of our comics fans. I first heard Adam on an episode of the Epic Marvel podcast and so decided to look up his show. What a pleasant surprise it was to find an absolute treasure trove of interviews with creators and others from across the industry. Listening to these episodes has helped me to better understand the behind-the-scenes activities and thought process surrounding some of my favorite comics, while also introducing to many more series and creators. I also appreciate that Adam, Adam is a thoughtful and respectful interviewer, which results in guests often returning to the show and being willing to talk about areas that they might otherwise shy away from. I highly recommend the show to any comics fan and thank Adam for all the hard work he's put into this passion project. Well, thank you very much, Doug, for that comment. I hope you're listening still, but in case you're not, I, I wherever you are, I very much appreciate it and uh, it means a lot to me. Uh, it's interesting. I hadn't really looked at this in a while, so it looks like uh, in the U.S. Uh, version of iTunes uh, for comic shenanigans, there are 13 ratings, of which we got 12 five-star ratings and one two-star. So, wow. I apologize to that person. Uh, I don't know what I did to get two stars. Uh, you know what? You're probably right. Maybe you just listened to an episode you didn't like. Uh, maybe you, you were listening to before we had uh, you know regular um, creators on, because I think that was definitely the show at its best is when I was able to interview creators. I think that's definitely when I've had the most fun with the show and when it's been the most uh, listen, you know, listen worthy. Uh, so that, that made me laugh a little bit. Uh, thankfully, on the Canadian iTunes, we're at seven five out of fives, so uh, we didn't have any so anyone uh, knocking me down a few pegs uh, here. But uh, <laughs> anyways, thank you so much for anyone who has rated and reviewed me on iTunes before. Uh, if you haven't, please you know feel free to go there and give us a rate or review. Uh, and then if you want to, if you do leave a review, if you want to send me an email, just let me know and I'll read on the show because as I said uh, if it's not uh, the Canadian version I'm probably not going to see it right away so if it is if you are in the States or somewhere else uh, let me know and I'll make sure to read it on the show um, but yeah and uh, if you give me a two star that's okay too uh, you know you got to keep me humble uh, I very much appreciate it anyway so thanks again for listening and we will catch you next time bye bye